0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Well, it's a new week on the podcast. We certainly thank the Lord for each of you that tune in and listen. We thank you for the prayers this weekend. they at the Montalto Bible Baptist Church. We certainly were praying for the churches all around this country that we know and fellowship with, familiar with. And so we certainly thank the Lord for what he's done in the house of God. And I know that we have folks that listen pretty regularly from North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, up into the state of Maine. And those are just the ones that let us know they listen. So we thank the Lord for each of you that listen. Uh, we still have some mothers that use us for chapel services, we have uh, families that do that use this for devotions, and we have folks that just regularly listen on the way to work, on the way home from work, sit in their house, and how we do thank the Lord for that. I'd ask you to continue to pray for the podcast. We're kind of winding down the Messianic Psalms. There are bits and pieces from here on out. There are complete psalms we'll cover, but in the next couple of months, uh, coming up fairly soon, we're going to run out of Messianic Psalms. And so we just need direction. We need wisdom from the Lord, what we'd like to do next as far as the podcast. And uh, we want to be instructive. We want to be consistent. And we also want to be able to teach. And we want to be able to teach the things of God. I hope that folks have learned. I hope you'll learn today from the podcast as we continue in the Messianic Psalms. Today, we're going to be in Psalm 77. And I think I can get through this today. It may be a little bit longer podcast than usual, but I believe we can get through this. And so uh, let's try to... Try it in just a moment here to start Psalm 77. I remind you of uh, the family camp. Please pray for us in family camp starting this coming Sunday through the following Friday. We'll be out in Western Pennsylvania, uh, just south of Punxsutawney, Brother R.G. Rose and I. It's Brother Rick Rose, and I will be uh, preaching the meetings there at the family camp as well as all of your activities. So would you please keep that in prayer? And uh, those of you that uh, are members of other churches, would you do this? Uh, Don't hesitate to let us know about special services. We'll be glad to announce them on the podcast and uh, let folks know about special services. If nothing else, they can pray, but there are those that might have an intention of attending. And so if you have special services coming up, please let us know about that. We'll be glad to make mention of that. Psalm 77 to the chief musician, to a psalm of Asaph. Now here it is, Asaph, that great prophet of God, and what's wonderful about this, and this is one of those that I had to actually do a double take on this, because as I began to look at this psalm even a while ago, I thought, you know, this is a psalm of David. And it reads like a psalm of David. Yet I began to see this is a psalm of Asaph. And there are some little little things in the writing that you can see and discern uh, but again, you know, I thought this was a Psalm of David and I realized, no, this is just the Holy Ghost speaking to a holy man of God. This is God's language. This isn't like uh, you and I, where uh, they say that English experts and language experts, they can read writings of certain authors and and realize well, who the author is. And by the way, a lot of that's changed there because modern editorial advances and modern editorial systems, they demand a style or demand a particular prose that they're looking for. And a lot of what the author originally writes is lost to that. I remember one of the well-known novelists of today, and he wrote his his first book, came back so butchered uh, that he didn't even recognize it. And then he rewrote it, and then they butchered it again. He rewrote it, so finally when he got done, he made the statement. It didn't even look like the book I had originally written. Well, in the King James Bible, we don't have that problem. The translators did not translate this book and make the changes they thought necessary, and they didn't correct the linguistics and the things they didn't like, but rather they copied the Word of God. And so we see the Psalm of Asaph, and the reason I say it looks Davidic is because it certainly looks like the same writings of David when he says things like this in verse one, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. And you go clear back to Psalm three, and he says, Lord, how are they increase to trouble me. Many are they which rise up against me. Many are saying which be into my soul. There's no help for me in God. Selah. And then in verse 4, he says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. In verse 1 of Psalm 4, he says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. And chapter 5, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. And so we see this continually through the Psalms. This is the very first couple of Psalms. But we see that over and over again when he cries unto the Lord, that cry of Jesus Christ. And so we see that now Asaph also speaks on that wise because Asaph is prophesying here of Jesus Christ. When he says, I cried unto my God with my voice, even the God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. Now that's God inclining his ear to Jesus Christ, that cry of his son, that cry of Jesus Christ. And he said, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. And so again, we see the trouble of Jesus Christ. We see the sore of Jesus Christ and his soul refused to be comforted. And again, we see the soul of the Psalms. Not every place is a Jesus Christ, but more often not, it certainly is. Most of the places is Jesus Christ. I had a man yesterday contact me about a particular passage of scripture and I just reassured him. I said, brother, I see Jesus Christ. And I gave him three or four of the points that we've talked about in this podcast. And uh, those three or four points were all in the first two verses of that psalm uh, that he mentioned to us. And so therefore we see, of course, that's those clues we talk about, those hints that these are messianic. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. And that's why, again, his spirit is overwhelmed within him. And so, Again, he says, think on these things. Why? Because we're looking at a person. We're looking at Jesus Christ. We're looking at the Son of God. We're looking at this through the eyes of the scriptures into the life of Jesus Christ. And part of the reason on Friday I talked about Jesus Christ, I talked about the heart of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in just a couple of verses here. For he says, thou holdest mine eyes waking, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. That's why he opened not his mouth. He was a lamb before her shears was dumb. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. Now, Asaph also prophesied this. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. That's Psalm 78 too, Jesus Christ. And so he's considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. That's exactly what the word of God is speaking about. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. So there, and, and again, the sufferings of Jesus Christ, to know him and the fellowship of his suffering. What are those sufferings of Jesus Christ? Well, there's locations of suffering, but there's also the, the certain particular times of his suffering, but there's also the things he suffered. And one of the things so oft overlooked as the, he endured the cross, despising the shame, the word of God also tells us to know him and the fellowship of his suffering. What is one of those sufferings? He endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And there he's made to be sin for us. Yet those same men that he was made to be sin for have gone against him, have despised him, hated him. Uh, they're the ones that crucified him. And so he communes with his own heart, made spirit, make diligent search. Will the Lord cast me off forever? And will he be favorable no more? And there we see in the throes of death, we see Jesus Christ, the agony, the suffering. As, of course, the father's turn is like, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In verse 8, is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten? Be gracious. Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. So again, he tells us stop and think about this. And it's why you and I don't have to worry about God leaving us or forsaking us. Because Jesus Christ secured that for us. We do not have to consider if God will leave us nor forsake us. If we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will chasten us as dear children. He will scourge us betimes, but he will not leave us nor forsake us. And if you're distant from God, it's because you're distant from God. It has nothing to do with him. It's because you feel cold and dead and feel like God's far from you. It's because you're far from him. And so he tells us that. That's secured in Christ because Jesus Christ became distant from him because of sin, was made sin for us. You and I don't have to have a faraway God. We can have a close God, a personal God, have a relationship with him. We can commune on these things. In verse 10, he said, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. So these are the years he's going to remember. He goes back, and by the way, it's always it's always okay to go back. We don't live in the past. We don't dwell in the past. We press on, the Apostle Paul told us, but sometimes you have to go back and just remember. And the Lord tells us to remember. Remember what God has done. He goes back to remembers a time on the right hand of God, and he remembers those days, and that's an that's a, a uplift to him. That's a joy to him, for this is what he said. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And so he remembers those things that were done. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Now, it's interesting, I sit here and wonder at the things of God myself, and I look at the wonders that God has done, the wonders that God is doing, and the wonders that God is still trying to do in the lives of people. And I wonder, at the. imagine what Jesus Christ saw. Imagine the wonders he saw, he said, of old. The marvelous doings of God, the marvelous, can you imagine the things that Jesus Christ himself has seen as the creator of all things? He's seen the wonderful working of God. He saw an earth that was without form and void. He saw creation take place. He saw the deep moved. He's seen things beyond the comprehension, beyond what we can even begin to understand. That's why his thoughts are so far above our thoughts. He saw the fall of Lucifer. He saw one third of the angels of heaven cast down. Yet he also has seen the mighty works of God in redemption. He's seen the mighty works of God, the hand of God upon the lives of people. He's seen that work of grace in their lives. What a wonderful thing to think on. What a wonderful thing to focus on and to put your mind on, to meditate on. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. And then in verse 16, again, those wonders, those marvelous things he's seen. Uh, hard for me to comprehend or understand. I, I look at the marvels and the wonders I still marvel at a mother bird feeding the chicks. I marvel how that mother bird has the wisdom to go out and grab that grasshopper and come back and chomp it just enough and shove it down the gullets of those chicks. And they eat it and pine for more. And they grow and they grow feathers and they fly out of the nest and they fly away. And I still marvel at that. Imagine what Jesus Christ can marvel at, the wondrous workings of God. The water saw thee, O God. The water saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky set out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leddest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Jesus Christ is speaking of things that we can't comprehend. We don't understand the footsteps of God. We understand the ways of God. We understand the goings of God. But he told us here, though thy way is in the sea and thy path in the great waters. That's why when the cry of Jesus Christ came unto his father, the earth shook. The foundations were shaken. And we also see in the deep, then the God moved upon the deep. And so these are the wonderful workings of God, known by Jesus Christ, known by the creator, known by the son of God. And yet there in his agony of his suffering, he brings to remembrance the workings of God. He brings to remembrance the marvelous wonders of God. And can I say to you, I believe it'll be a help to us on the pragmatic side of this. I believe it'll be a help to us. We're low. When we're down, when we feel cast down and cast out, I believe you be a wonderful working for us to remember the workings of God, to remember the doings of God. We might just sit and marvel at the sparrow and how God fed the sparrow. And we can look out at nature and just the wonders of God. Look at the rainbows in the sky and remember the promises of God. It would do us good to remember what God has done. It would do us good to see the workings of God. It would do us good to contact others that have seen the workings of God. And my friend, if you're low and downtrodden and just feel like you can't lift your head up, sometimes it's just good to not suck your thumb anymore. Just contact the saints of God and ask, what has God done for me? And I believe the saints of God will be quick to tell you what God's done for you. I believe the people of God can quickly tell you the wonderful working of God and the marvelous things that God has done for us and the same things he's done for his son he's willing to do for us. Those same workings Jesus Christ is speaking of in this passage are the same workings that God can and will do with us if we'll just believe him. And my friend, God wants to bring us some things to remembrance. God doesn't want us to focus on the past, but he does want us to remember his marvelous doings, his marvelous workings. Might I testify in closing, I can always go back to that marvelous day when Jesus Christ washed my sins away. I wasn't trying to rhyme. It just worked out that way. It was a marvelous, marvelous day when Jesus Christ washed my sins away, when it made me a new creature in Jesus Christ. And my friend, that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to remember that day. He wants to take you to that day and that place and that time when you were without hope and you were without help, and through a miracle of God, God changed your life on the inside, and God changed you from the inside to the outside, and made you a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God will take you back and remind you of those things. God will take you back to a time when uh, when He brought children into your life, and brought a wife into your life, and brought you into the house of God, and brought you before a King James Bible. God God will bring you back to those times, and he'll bring them to remembrance. And my friend, listen, there's no thumb sucking after that. There's no lamentation after that. There's no feeling sorry for yourself after that. When you see the marvelous workings of God, and might I say this is a messianic psalm, but this psalm also is a wonder to me. It's a marvelous reminder of the goodness of God in my own life. And I just want to thank him, and I want to praise him. Have a great day. There is a lost soul who's tired of his sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and com 17006 Thank you for listening and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow and remember to look up for your redemption call at night. Now the angel come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.